Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring the Michael McCoy Show. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Wednesday. What are we on? September. Wow, look at me. February 17, 2021. Hope everybody's having a good week so far. Hope everybody had a good weekend. There was a little holiday uh, this past weekend, Valentine's Day. I think a lot of people got broken up a little before that just to not buy gifts. Who knows? That's normally how it goes. But in any event, hope everybody's doing well. Bro, you're that guy. Hold on a minute. I'm going to intercept you. You're that guy. You said there was a holiday. You brought up Valentine's Day, but you didn't bring up President's Day. Oh, I am that guy. Oh, my God. I am that guy. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And the thing is, I don't consider Valentine's Day to be a holiday. I just, everybody else does, so it's kind of like ingrained in my head. But yeah, so there was a real holiday, President's Day, Monday, sorry. People had off, you know, all of that stuff. But thanks for that, Frank. I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, By the way, I'm not that guy to break up with someone before Valentine's Day, just so I don't have to give them a gift. But I do know people like that. Oh, I'm that guy. You're that guy. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, man. Um, got a load of show today. So far, well, not so far. A load of show. We might have uh, another uh, guest caller. So far, we got Michael Yero of 305sports.net calling in. We're going to talk some high school hoops with him. And then we got Phil Rosumano, buddy of mine, a uh, friend of the show, to talk some NFL football. He released a gra- He tweeted a graphic earlier today. caught my attention, so we're going to talk about that. And um, we're going to lead off the show with one of my favorite subjects, and that, of course, is nothing but... Kings football, you know, everybody knows that I bleed orange and green. So, ah, man, talk about, you know, college football. The thing about that is I think it's more dramatic than any highly rated reality show. There's more drama in a college football offseason than anything else I've ever seen in my life. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And so talking about Kings football, just a couple weeks ago, there was a big time hire. Well, there were two big times hire. T-Rob comes in, you know, hometown guy bring in a cornerbacks a, a coach, DB guy, to shore up the secondary play, huge hire. And then right after that, his buddy Travis Williams, who also was, uh, is an Auburn alum, gets hired to coach the linebackers, another position of need that needed you know, help with uh, you know, how they were looking last show. So he comes on, except that it only lasted about two weeks because there were some rumblings and some rumors that were tr- proved to be true and he took a defensive coordinator position uh, job with the UCF Knights. Holy crap. I wonder if they're going to celebrate that like their mythical 2017 national championship that they had. But he joins his former, uh, well, not former head coach, but uh, his former staff member, Gus Malzahn, he took the reins over at UCF as the head coach. And just like that, Miami's searching for another linebacker coach. They may have found the solution in Jamar Chase. I'm sorry, Jamar Cheney, we'll talk about him in a little bit, but I wanted to talk about the state of UM football right now and where everybody's heads should be regarding the quote-unquote loss of Travis Williams. My thing is this, if you're at any job for two weeks and then decide to take another job, are you really missed? I mean, how much can you actually contribute to said job if you're only there for two weeks? That's exactly how long uh, Travis Williams was here. Don't get me wrong. It's a loss in the sense that whatever relationships were built up recruiting-wise, they're, I'm not going to say definitely no longer there, but they definitely take a hit because Travis Williams is a well-liked guy, big time. Anybody that knows and follows college football recruiting knows that he is a master recruiter, uh, relates really well with the young guys, and he's a very, very good teacher of the position. Not only that, he was a pretty good linebacker playing for Auburn back in the day. Uh, undersized guy, but played with a, a big heart, and he produced, okay? Six-foot linebacker, about 200, maybe 220 pounds. And, um, you know, he, he, he was that dude, all right? 
So, and then the thing about when his, when, when his name came up for rumors at UCF, I, you know, you, you got to be worried about it because not only was it that he has familiarity with Gus Malzahn, but it was going to be a defensive coordinator position. You go, obviously that's more money. You go from being a linebacker coach to a defensive coordinator position and then boom, uh, you know, that's more money. So you had to compete with that. The thing that I didn't, that I was thinking Miami had in their back pocket was that he, he's buddies with T-Rob. As a matter of fact, T-Rob named his son after Travis Williams. So that's how close they are. And I just thought that that relationship was good enough to keep, uh, to keep Travis home, all right? And I say home just because at UM, he's from South Carolina. But I think people need to kind of stop the knee-jerk reaction and, and, the, and the, the outcry. Like, oh, my God, what's going on? We have these big shoes to fill now. Not really, because like I said, he was only here for two weeks. Were there any linebacker commitments? No. There was nothing like that. Were there talk about big-time players being interested in Miami? Absolutely. But it's the University of Miami, and, I mean, it's not going to be that hard to find a position. And like I said, Jamar Chase – I'm sorry, I keep saying Jamar Chase – Jamar Chaney, okay, senior defensive analyst right now at Mississippi State over in the SEC. Anytime you could probably grab a staffer from an SEC school, especially on defense. We all know how the SEC, you know, how fast and physical and fierce their defenses are. It's a good thing. So defense, uh, senior defensive analyst Jamar Chaney at uh, Mississippi State where Mike Leach is running things. Let's do a little background on him, okay, because he did play in the NFL. But before that, he is a Florida native. All right, and again, this is just somebody that's been rumored. I don't think it's been official or anything like that for him to get the job, but things are trending in that direction. Um, Fort Pierce native, all right. Uh, he was the number 29 outside linebacker prospect in the nation. Ended up playing over, well, he com originally committed to the University of Georgia, but then was denied admission because of whatever happened. I think it was SAT scores. Released from his scholarship and chose Mississippi State over Florida. So, I mean, look, the guy knows how to play the linebacker position, okay, he played the linebacker position, and not only that, he was drafted uh, by the Eagles in the, I think it was the seventh round in the 2010 draft. So uh, he's an NFL mind. He's been there. He's done that. He was also with the, with the Falcons, I think the Broncos, and the Raiders, according to what I'm reading right now. So um, became a head coach for his uh, alma mater over at uh, St. Lucie West Centennial High School. And, you know, had a decent run there, and now he's over at Mississippi State running things. Listen, I don't want to call it a downgrade because I definitely don't know anything except what I just read to you about Jamar Chaney. I don't know what kind of recruiter he is, okay? He probably, and I say probably, isn't the recruiter that uh, Travis Williams is because every single recruit you hear from, he, they glow about him, okay? I mean, Miami was, like I said, they were – uh, big-time names already being thrown around as soon as Travis Williams took the job. And um, we'll see how that transpires now. But like I said, I think it's just a little too early to knee-jerk and kind of, uh, you know, piss and moan about what's going on and how maybe, you know, Manny can't keep certain guys on the staff. It's, it's not about that, all right? But I also want to comment on the following. How can anybody in today's day and age expect any recruit in any sport to keep their loyalty, especially to their commitment to whatever school. And I know commitment is, you know, you got to stay committed. But when you have things going on like this at the University of Miami, and it's not the first time because a couple years, not a couple years ago, but several years ago, uh, Mario Cristobal was hired here as what? I think it was a tight ends coach. All right. A couple weeks later, he takes uh, a staff position over at Alabama. And we all know, you know, 
what happened after that? I think he won the national championship or two under Nick Saban. And then the next thing you know, he's a head coach over at Oregon. So it's not the first time it's happened to Miami. Um, maybe not the second time. I have no idea. But th definitely the second time in recent memory that I can remember. But going back to my point, how can anybody, okay, expect uh, a high school 17, 18-year-old to keep, you know, their loyalty commitment to any school, and I get, I'm talking about in any sport, you know, baseball, football, anything, okay, and, and, and the ladies too. If the people in charge, their leaders, the people that are supposed to be setting the example are, are not, they're doing the exact opposite. I mean, what's a contract nowadays? Nothing. Back in the day, I mean, you signed a contract and it was binding, legally binding, and I'm not saying it isn't now because I'm sure there was whatever money tied to it. I'm not exactly sure uh, the financial repercussions that took place for uh, UCF to go ahead and poach Williams from Miami staff, but uh, what is a contract nowadays? I mean, why even sign one? It just doesn't make any sense to me because it could obviously easily be broken. There aren't really any penalties for it, and here we are. Here we are, and so I just find it interesting that uh, people get you know really, really upset at a 17, 18-year-old for changing their mind when, again, you have people that are supposed to be setting the example doing the same exact thing. You can't get mad at that. You just can't get mad at that. And, I mean, I'm, I'm reading the reactions on Twitter yesterday, and I was just laughing. I was just laughing at it because it's 2021. You can't expect anything. Hey, look, after the year we just had, nothing can be certain. Nothing at all can be certain, and neither is a coaching hire. So uh, that's, that's my soapbox about that. And, I mean, if Miami's able to land Jamar Chaney, then you want to know what? Let, let's go for it, okay? Let's go for it. I'm all here for it. Manny Diaz is going to hire a uh, guy. And, and, by the way, Jamar Chaney, if I'm not mistaken, I read somewhere, he was actually uh, rumored to – well, not rumored to, but one of the guys that I think that Manny was interested in uh, taking the job. But, obviously – you know, I went to Travis, to Travis Williams. I joked around yesterday and I tweeted how Al Golden was coaching linebackers in the NFL uh, at, uh, at Cincinnati and Detroit. And, you know, that got some funny reactions. I was not serious about it. Look, anybody that takes my tweets seriously, I mean, come on, man. It's, 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 it's Twitter for crying out loud. But um, another interesting note, uh, Corey Bell, if that name rings a bell, it should. I mean, really good uh, coach here at Edison Senior High School a couple of years back, he's over at UCF. So if he and T. Will end up, you know, staying together for however long it is, that is going to, that should be a, a, a lethal recruiting tandem to be reckoned with, especially in the South Florida area. Corey Bell has huge success at, uh, as, as, a, at a, as a coach down here in the 305, obviously knows the area and has a lot of relationships. So that's something to keep an eye on, okay? Uh, there was a couple other names that were brought up, and I don't know how serious they are or were or whatever the case is, but um, Randy Shannon, you know, was one name that came up. Michael Barrow is another name that's coming up. Uh, Michael Barrow recently of the Seattle Seahawks. And if I remember correctly, if I remember reading correctly, he's a guy that has come out and said that he really doesn't want to come back and coach college. You know, he's been in the NFL for a while coaching the Seahawks, and Okay, cool, that's fine. But it's still a name that came up. Randy Shannon, obviously his last position over at UCF as a defensive coordinator. And everybody knows what he did here throughout his time at Miami. He was a player uh, in the late 80s, won a championship, maybe two, I can't remember, uh, at the linebacker position. And then he became the head coach after being the defensive coordinator uh, back in the earlier part of the, of the 2000s. And his time at head coach here didn't go as planned, but uh, 
is one hell of a coach, is, is respected as a defensive coordinator, that's for sure, okay? Head coach, maybe not so much. And um, if we're being honest, I, I think I just need to probably move away from this because I, I don't think he'll uh, be considered for the position, especially coming from being a coordinator to coach linebackers. I don't know. It's possible, I guess. Like I said, it's 2021. Anything's possible. But he's definitely a name that came up. So I just wanted to, to note that. And so, um, yeah, man, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that that T-Will loss, quote-unquote loss, is, is, is a bit much. Because like I said, there wasn't even a commitment that was made. There was no commitments and um, just a lot of hype around a bunch of guys that if they did commit, who's to say they would have held their commitment? How many times have you seen Miami get left at the altar on National Signing Day, okay? It's just the way it works. That's the way the cookie crumbles, and you got you to gotta roll with the punches. So if it is... Uh, Jamar Chaney, listen, I'm for it, okay? Again, uh, uh, senior defensive analyst over at Mississippi State uh, under a Mike Leach-coached Bulldogs team and a guy with NFL experience. What more can you ask for, okay? And, um, again, a Florida guy, so he knows from – he's over from – where was he born? I had it right here. Can't find it right now. But he uh, – here it is. Yeah, Port St. Lucie. He coached at Port St. Lucie. So knows the area. And in terms of recruiting, he'll pick it up. Listen, all you need to do as a recruit, and I mean, I'm not saying that because I've been there, done that in this position, but you don't think any recruit in any sport is going to pay attention to you if you've been there and done that, if you've coached at the the next level, if you've played at the next level, of course they are. They're going to have your ear. It's just about who could do it better than the next guy, okay? It's all about relationships. And in recruiting, I've learned that if you get on guys early, you have more of a chance to make an impact. Get to know these guys as eighth graders, ninth graders. And at some point, that may be a little too late. I've heard heard schools offering guys like in the sixth grade. I've heard USC offering quarterbacks while they were in the sixth grade. Is that a little bit too much? Probably. But listen, again, 2021. Nothing should surprise you, especially after the year that we just had in 2020. So, I mean, um, that's the latest on, 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 on that front. And I just think that, you know, the hardest thing to teach a University of Miami football fan is patience because everybody wants something right now. They want to win right now. They want success right now. And the way college football is set up, the national landscape, there's too much parity. It doesn't work that way, especially when you have administrations nowadays that they give coaches three years to get it right. That's, 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 that's unrealistic in today's day and age. This is uh, the, the days of the Bobby Bowdens and the Joe Paternos and – and, you know, the Steve Spurriers, coaches like that, that had longevity, okay, and a long tenure at whatever school they were at, it feels like those days are long gone, all right? And so I think it sucks, to be honest with you, because you want to know what that translates to? It translates to a bunch of guys saying, you know what, I'm going to transfer. I'm going to leave. Because, unfortunately, it's, it shouldn't be this way, but it is. Recruits commit to coaches. They don't commit to schools, that's how it should be because a, a coach can leave, fall in love with the school, not a person, not, 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 not a coach. I shouldn't say not a person, but not a coach because a coach could be gone as soon as you sign that national letter of intent. All right, he could be waiting to get your commitment and just, you know, hit the road. Hit the road, Jack. And so, I mean, it, again, this happens in every sport, not just football, but basketball, baseball, volleyball, you name it. You're an NCAA athlete or a high school athlete getting recruited and um, just be ready for it. And just be ready. Like I said, it's a business, okay? And it's a business on both ends. It's a business for the recruiter, 
for the recruit, for the coaches, for the school, and um, again, 2021, that's where we are. So we'll see what happens with that. Again, nothing finalized in terms of bringing Jamar Chaney on board to the staff as a linebackers coach, but like I said, it's trending in that direction, and I think that anytime – we should be probably be hearing that anytime soon because uh, it's late in the game. You know, spring ball is coming up, what, in a month? In less than a month, so Miami staff has to get finalized. you got to get recruits, you know, accustomed. you got to meet the players, and uh, we'll just, we just got to wait and see, guys. Something that Miami I – mean, let me not say Miami football fans, but Miami sports fans in general are probably not accustomed to. So um, that's that. And we are going to step aside really quick, pay some bills, and uh, we'll be back on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, guys, we are back. Thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that first segment. Oh, we got some Chris Brown. Okay. All right, let that ride out for a little bit. I could deal with some Chris Brown. But um, I'm not going to dance like Chris Brown. I, I, I can't do that. I got moved on the basketball court, not on the dance floor. Sorry about that. But uh, listening to the Michael McCourt Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio, talked a little bit about Kane's football and, you know, fans knee-jerking and going crazy. What can – I mean, is there anything different that you expect from – uh, you know, when you talk about Miami Hurricanes football, not so much, man. But you want to know what? Um, it was an unexpected segment because I really didn't have Kings football on my radar. But something about if you know me, once I get talking about Kings football, I can't, you know, it's kind of hard to get me off the topic. So we're going to continue that here and then we'll switch gears in the next segment. Let's talk a little about a, a little bit. Sorry about that. A little bit about expectations in the 2021 season. So year three of the Manny Diaz era, right? Okay, cool. Um, I defend that guy big time, all right? And how can you not? You know, you've seen improvement every year uh, since he's been on board. All right, the win total has increased. We went from 6-7 and seven last year to what was it, 8-3, and 7-2 and two in the conference. You have a chance to represent the ACC in the Orange Bowl, and then you just get absolutely ran over by the UNC Tar Heels at home, okay, uh, the only game I went to last season, ironically, and it was just <laughs> godly. Um, but, yeah, you know, win total has been increasing. And you want to know the thing about many that a lot of people want to kind of – I don't want to say forget about, but it seems they, they, they put it to the side because um, there's a lot of people mad. It's, it, they, people act like Manny did something to them, you know what I mean? And I don't understand how or why they feel that way. But there is one common thread to these Manny haters, and I think they were all Butch Davis guys. I think, and mind you, you know what? I was on that board. I'm sorry, on that train. I, I was a Butch guy. I wanted him, but then I kind of, you know, realized, you know what? His time may have passed, and it's just eh, maybe not so much. And then Mark Rick becomes available. Sign me up for that, right? Okay, but wanted to get about, wanted to keep on the subject about Manny Diaz. And the thing about him is the guy makes changes when they're needed, okay? They, he makes changes anytime a change is needed, whether it be in the staff, whether it be on the field. Uh, and I want to give you an example about that. You know, the very uh, the, the, the peak example, the top example that I could think of is Greg Rousseau. Greg Rousseau versus Scott Patchen. Remember that? 
everybody wants to get on Scott Patchen because he's been playing college football for what seems like 20 years now. And he is coming back for, I think, like a seventh year. The guy's like 26 years old. Really cool guy. Before he transferred to Colorado State, um, you know, exchange a few words with him. Pretty cool dude. And so um, how can you not root for a guy that takes advantage of the system of a system that takes advantage of athletes. That's exactly what Scott Patton's doing. The guy's about to get a second degree, okay, for free, and you want to hate on him because he was getting more playing time than Greg Rousseau. Let me get back to that. Uh, guys, I, I'm not sure if anybody was aware, but Greg Rousseau had a back injury in that, in that fall camp where, you know, before his breakout season, which is exactly why Patton was getting some playing time. It's not because the staff had no idea what the hell they were doing. It's because you have a guy that could be more productive than somebody else right now due to injury. He's going to play until said supposed starter is healthy. That's exactly what happened, okay? Um, going into year one of the Mark, I'm sorry, of the Manny Diaz era, everybody was talking about needing a new quarterback coach, a new quarterback, so on and so forth. Manny hits the portal, you hit up Tate Martell, which at the time was the very – thing to do okay you get a former five-star guy from las vegas listen if urban meyer wants you to play football for him i'll take you all right didn't work out that way and you know so if you want to say it was the wrong pickup you're saying that in hindsight but at the time of the signing from the transfer portal it was everybody was was hyped about it okay everybody was talking about him coming in and being the starter all right uh not jaron williams not nikosi perry nobody it was Tate Martell. So if you want to talk about that, then you're, you're kind of being hypocritical. No, not you're kind of. You're being hypocritical. That change happens. Uh, you, go, you move from John Rick to a qu quarterback whisperer slash developer in Dan Enos, who, oh, by the way, if Nick Saban wanted you on his staff, and supposedly Nick Saban was uh, talking about promoting him to being, I don't know if it was an offensive coordinator or whatever the coach uh, uh, spot was, but he was the quarterback coach for – Tua Tungavailoa, who's starting right now for the Dolphins, and Jalen Hurts, who is, guess what, starting for the Eagles right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts turns things around, gets significantly better as a passer under Dan Enos. Uh, we all saw how, how good Tua Tungavailoa was in college, and not saying that that was due to Dan Enos because Tua's a, a great talent in his own right, but still, uh, coaches are going to get credit when a guy does well, and coaches are going to get the blame when somebody does horribly. So it's just, it's just the way it works. So at the time, again, a change was needed. You're bringing a guy. How can you not be thrilled about a guy that's winning national championships under Nick Saban and you know, coaching these guys up that I just previously mentioned in Tua and Jalen? All right. Again, did it work out well? No. But at the time of the hire, it was the right thing to do. You can't tell the future. You're trying to tell me if Manny had a crystal ball, he knew what the outcome was going to be, that he made those hires? No. Okay, again, people are being hypocritical if they say that, you know, it, it was, it, oh, my God, it was a horrible thing. No, it wasn't a horrible pickup. It was the absolute right pickup at the time, and it didn't work out that way because of whatever reason. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know how it works, so I'm not a reporter. Ask somebody else who has insider information, okay, not me. I'm just telling you the obvious, all right? Uh, receivers aren't pulling their weight this year throughout the season. Manny, Manny uh, opens up, you know, the receiver position. And uh, in, in practice, and these guys, you know, they ball out. They have to earn their spot. And all of a sudden, Mark Harley has a career year, who, by the way, is coming back as well. And so, again, we're going to talk about expectations for the team in a little bit. But I wanted to touch on Manny because, listen, 
did you guys even see what, you know, this past recruiting class looked like? Okay. Uh, one of the best in Miami history, two five-star players. The last time that happened, I think, was the, was the Tracy Howard and Duke Johnson class, which was what, 20, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but that was the last time Miami had two five-stars in one class. Before that, uh, that monster class, probably the best class ever at Miami under Randy Shannon, which I mentioned in the last segment, oh, wait, you had five-star Marcus Forston, uh, defensive tackle. You had uh, Arthur Brown, remember him, uh, linebacker out of Wichita, Kansas. And so, you know, that was a, that was a huge class, a big-time class. So um, this class, let me go ahead and rattle off the names, the highlighters of the class, Jake Garcia, big-time quarterback, originally from California, but ended up playing the final year of his uh, high school football career over in Grayson, Georgia. I'm sorry, at Grayson High School in Longueville, Georgia, wins a state championship Huge, huge hype coming in from him, okay? Uh, Elijah Arroyo, who's from the South Florida area, big-time tight end from Texas. Really, really talented guy. Chase Smith is a legacy. His dad played here back in the day. An athlete, 6'3", 190, probably going to be spending time over on the defense. Cam Kinchins, everybody wants to talk about James Williams, but I was interviewing uh, Larry Bluestein in the offseason, and you know, Cameron Kitchens is a guy that he says is going to be a better a better safety prospect. No, he's not 6'5", 220 like James Williams is, but the guy's a football player at 5'11", 201. Listen, I'll take him. If Larry Bluestein says you have the goods, who am I to argue, okay? Uh, my One of my favorite uh, pickups, Leonard Taylor, defensive tackle right here out of uh, Miami, Florida, Miami Palmetto Senior High School, but my number one guy on the board, James Williams, super-duper athlete. I pray to God that, listen, he's going to be a chess piece that you move all over the board, and you should. You absolutely should. But I hope his primary position is at safety. Uh, the guy can fly, five-star guy, number one rated athlete in the country, Romello Brinson. Uh, I can't believe that 24-7 uh, has him at uh, 25th best receiver in the, co in the country. But in any event, that's where he is. But listen, if you can ball at Miami Northwestern and you're a star receiver at Northwestern, again, I will take you there. And so those are just some of the highlighters. Brashard Smith, another fast, uh, speedy guy. Thad Franklin, that running back room was going to be loaded. Six foot, 225, according to this here. And, um, you know, they filled every need. Uh, O-line, you name it, okay? And then the transfer portal. Listen, this is another thing I want to talk about. I take pride in being called transfer portal you. I really do. Everybody wants to talk about, oh, well, you don't want to build things off the transfer portal, which Miami is not. They're filling in needs just like everybody else in the country is, all right, with the transfer portal. And you want to know what? If it's treating Miami good, why, why negate it, okay? When you could pick up a local guy like Tyreek Stevens, who went to – Tyreek Stevenson, I'm sorry, who uh, played his high school football at Miami Southridge, pledges to Georgia, then he decides to come back home. Charleston Ramble had a huge season, not this past season, but the year before that over at Oklahoma, okay, with Jalen Hurts tossing the rock over to him. DeAndre Johnson, he's a South Florida guy too, uh, coming from Texas, not Texas, but uh, University of Tennessee. Um, this is Miami's advantage. This is the transfer portal. Uh, Alabama has their advantage in selling cars to players, giving cars to players, or handing money bags over to guys, okay? Different schools in the SEC have their advantage, okay? USC has their advantage. You know, they're in L.A., the glitz, the glam. Miami has that too, but, uh, you know, Miami is like an international city, not a college town, but this is Miami's advantage, okay? Uh, at Ohio State, whatever, they have their advantages. Every school, every division, every conference has their advantages. This is Miami's, 
we got weather to offer. We have premier, 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 okay, athletes on the staff. And you can't negate that, man. You can't get mad at the fact that, you know what, if a guy wants to come here, I don't care if it's for one year, two years, whatever, uh, I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to take advantage of it. And so, listen, call us Transfer Portal you all you want to. I'm here for it. I, people are going to know us as you anyway, all right? The logo holds weight. And so um, if it's going to make you a better team, why not? Why, why, why shy from that? I don't care what the narrative is, all right? As long as it's going to translate to wins, uh, I'm, sign me up, okay? And so expectations, I wanted to talk about them. Miami goes for uh, – actually, I want to bring up their schedule first because – Everybody knows the first game of the season. It's going to be against the defending champs in uh, Atlanta, all right, at the Mercedes-Benz Dome on Saturday, September 4th. Miami goes up to Alabama. Oh, boy, say what you want about that. I'll be there at that game. But after that, you got Appalachian State. You got Michigan State, okay? You got Central Connecticut State. I never even knew that, that, was a, that they had a school up there, all right? Uh, Virginia, and then the ACC slate kicks off after that. You got four out-of-conference games, all right, and then you got the ACC slate kicking off. Miami visits UNC. Miami's got to get over that hump. They host the Wolfpack. Then they go to Pitt on Saturday, October the 30th, okay? Um, come home for three. Actually, they come home for, yeah, Georgia Tech. Then they're at Doak. Miami's going to look to make that, what is it, four in a row, five in a row? I don't know. They've beaten Miami. They've beaten FSU so many times in a row. It's, I've lost count, actually. And then they close out the, the home schedule against Virginia Tech on November the 20th, and then they close out the regular season on the road at Duke. Listen, if let's say COVID is over with, all right, and we're looking at a regular schedule with regular travel and nothing gets condensed and all of that stuff, because remember, last season, last season we didn't have uh, divisions in, um, in the ACC or, uh, yeah, at all in college football last year. So it was the best two teams play for the ACC championship game. Uh, if everything works out, we'll have the Pacific, we'll have the Coastal. Miami needs to win this Coastal. This, this is the – and I know everybody says that every year. I get it. But listen, that out of conference, you might be looking at two lo- – I, I say it's one loss in the out of conference. I really do. I feel it's one loss in the out of conference uh, with, uh, obviously, Bama. Miami should be able to run through the rest of the out of conference. Appy State is at home, Michigan State. Uh, Central Connecticut State, and then that's it. You know, you have one bye week, okay, on uh, October the 9th. So say what you want if that's a bad thing or a good thing. I like it, all right, because everybody knows Miami's schedule off of bye weeks the past couple – well, not this past season so much, but you're one of the many Diaz era. They were 0-3. And And so um, I don't want to say – and, you know, because it's way – a lot of things can happen, all right? A lot of things can happen – uh, guys can get hurt. We all know already what's going on with uh, Derek King. And you want to know what? Here's a hot take for you. I say let him play the ACC schedule and let him play the ACC schedule only. How about that? All right? Listen, I get, you know, he's 19, 20 years old or however old he is, 21. I'm not sure. And he recovers quickly from an ACL. You're talking about a guy uh, you're talking. You're hearing from a guy in me that's had two of them. All right? I had one on each knee. And I'm fine, okay, but it's still an ACL. He's still a football player, and he's still going up against Bama, okay? Is that really what you want to put your quarterback that is really why you – the reason you had eight wins last season, you want to – that's the first game you want to put him up against? I don't know. I don't know. It's just something to ponder on. And so, you know, if you want to just 
maybe bring him back uh, against Central Connecticut, Central Connecticut State to get his feet wet before they host Virginia in an ACC to open the AC schedule, then fine. But just to throw him immediately into that, and look, I get he's progressing well, I get it fine, but it's just something to think about because I don't know, man. I, I just, it's, it's, I have a weird feeling about that, and I'm not wishing anything bad on him or the team. Do I expect Miami to win? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Do I hope they win? Yes. But for Miami to win that game, they're going to have to play the perfect game. It's kind of like going, going up against Clemson. Do you think they're going to win? Probably not. Can they win? Can they win? Absolutely. But so many things are going to have to go right. Uh, that's a program that's just absolutely rolling. They've been rolling since, you know, the arrival of Nick Saban. And so, again, that's Saturday, September the 4th. Miami should win the Coastal, man. And I know we've been saying that since I don't know how long, okay? It happened in year two of Mark Richt, all right? And it has it for the very first time in, you know, Miami history. They were playing an ACC championship game. But uh, more than ever, this time in year three of Manny Diaz, the expectations are, 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 are really ratcheted up, especially with that freshman recruiting class that everybody has uh, high expectations of. I just rattled off some of the names. And in all actuality, I'm really surprised that it's rated where it is. It was obviously the second-ranked uh, ACC recruiting class behind Clemson. But ranked 12th nationally, that's weird to me. I thought it was worthy of being a top-10 class. Listen, they're ranked ahead of the Gators. That's all I care about. But um, I'm going to go ahead and take another break really quick. We are going to talk some hoops on the other side of the segment, so we'll be back. Keep it locked on the Michael McCoy Show. You're listening to Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Throwback. That's a throwback. Y'all keep bringing these, these, these fire intros. Thank you. It gets me hype. Like, all I need is a basketball in my hand. You know what, man? Talking about basketball, uh, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But I wanted to welcome Phil Rosumano, buddy of mine, friend of the show. If his name sounds familiar, it's only because he's been on the air on the Michael McCosher for, what, like the third, fourth time? How you doing, Phil? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mike? Not bad, man. Thanks for coming on last minute. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, Phil Rosumano, uh, sports editor for Distractions Magazine over at the University of Miami. Good friend of mine. And I wanted to bring him on the show because... Phil, Phil is an analytics guy. He's a numbers guy. He knows a thing or two about, you know, analyzing numbers. And listen, I'm not a math guy, so props to him. But uh, he tweeted something that I really found interesting. And he has a list in terms of the top five players per position. Uh, and by the way, he tweeted this at Phil Rosumano, R-U-S-S-O-M-A-N-N-O. Good Twitter follow man knows this thing. And so he's talking about the NFL draft. And so uh, he has top five for each position, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, tackle. And we'll talk into that later. But, Phil, man, um, no surprise you talked about this a couple of weeks or last week, I think it was. that You got Lawrence and Fields as the top two. Uh, Wilson over at BYU as the third quarterback. But what really brought my attention about this list was the running back because – uh, listen, Travis Etienne, awesome player, okay? And a lot of people consider him to be the best uh, running back the ACC has ever seen. We all just saw what Dalvin Cook did, all right? Travis Etienne uh, 
trumps his numbers, all right, and breaks records and everything like that. But Najee Harris, that guy is a do-it-all freak. What made you, or what analyt, what anal, you know, what were the analytics that went behind putting ATN ahead of uh, Harris? I mean, the reason why I put ATN ahead of Harris, the biggest reason why is just how versatile he is. Like, if you watch ATN catch passes, yeah. you really can see the way that he's progressing in the NFL. A lot of these teams now are using a lot of the like. Not only is your running back like there to like run, but you definitely have to catch passes now. Yards after the catches is more important than ever. Right. And Etienne is the type of player that is a full blown slot receiver too. If you wanted to put him there, he could be. Like, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Listen, he's built. First of all, his speed. Got to talk about his speed because that's the number one thing that sticks out to him. And in you know a passing age, you know you get a guy in open space. It's a wrap. We've seen what he can do in open space. And like you said, if you wanted to put him at receiver, he's a versatile guy. He can do that. Um, we also saw what Najee Harris did in the national championship game and in the SEC championship game. I mean, the guy, I think he scored like four touchdowns against the Gators, uh, was used prim not primarily, but a lot out of the backfield. So he showed what he can do a lot like ATN. What is it that you like about Harris? I mean, you can definitely tell that he runs angry. He's their prototypical Alabama running back. He's yeah. going to run downfield. He also can make some people miss, but it's impossible to just arm tackle him. He's going to run right through you. Absolutely. And uh, another guy who's built, like, I mean, you think about the names that have come through that program ever since Nick Saban took over the running backs. You have, you know, a Heisman Trophy winner in Derrick Henry. And I still think Christian McCaffrey should have won it, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Yeldon, so many guys, okay? You got uh, Ingram who won the uh, Heisman. I think, did he win the Heisman? Mark Ingram did win the Heisman, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. uh, several years ago. So then Najee Harris just – Another in a line of great running backs over there. And then, of course, you have the UNC duo. Oh, my God. We know what records they broke against Miami in Williams and Carter. Talk about them. You have two UNC running backs in the top five available uh, running backs in the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, both of those UNC running backs, we saw it firsthand when they played Miami. And Miami has an incredible run defense. So, And just, just the way that they run, they both run strong. They both can catch the ball. I mean, the one that I have listed at number three is just, he's going to be an, a, like a great running back. Yes, like, yes. I could totally yeah. see him being incredible at the next level. Absolutely. Again, and you know what? We're talking about running backs, a position in which nowadays teams don't like drafting running backs high because they feel you can get a running back at any point in free agency, at any point in the draft. But these, I mean, we're talking about some guys that, I consider or can't miss guys, especially I already talked about how I like Harris, but Etienne, you cannot uh, dismiss his talents. Williams over at UNC, Carter over at UNC, and then Gainesville, the Memphis running back. Um, moving on to the receiver position, two guys that maybe are on the radars of Miami Dolphins fans and Jamar Chase over at LSU. We saw what he did in his record-breaking season two years ago when LSU won the national championship. And then the uh, reigning Heisman Trophy winner in uh, Devonta Smith over at Alabama. The guy won two national championships, all right? He was the guy that caught the game-winning touchdown pass in, what was it, 2018 against uh, Georgia when Tua Tonga-Vailoa came in in relief of Jalen Hurts in the second half. Yeah, that's the same guy. Jalen Waddle is probably a guy that would have been ranked ahead of Smith had he not got hurt throughout the season. Uh, talk about those. Talk about Jamar Chase, and then we'll talk about the Alabama guys. Well, Jamar Chase, he would have been right up there for the Heisman this year, I think. And I think just because of the way that LSU season went with everyone like dropping out yeah. just because of COVID. Right. 
I, th- I think that really affected a lot of how like, the receiver rankings look. I mean, Jamar Chase is gonna is gonna be one of the top receivers in this draft. Like him or him or any of those two other guys are you can consider a number one mm-hmm. in any draft. It just happens to be like there's the Heisman Trophy winner Waddle, who at times people said was a better receiver than yes. Smith was on the same team. Yes, and then you have Jamar Chase, who's just gonna be a top number one electric receiver for any team that gets him. But it's really going to be interesting to see because the Dolphins can go one of two ways. They can go that receiver route or the tackle mm-hmm. in Penny Sewell. But it's going to be interesting to see if they value the chemistry with Tua, if they decide to keep him with one of the two Alabama receivers or go for the higher ceiling, I think, in Chase. Right. Well, one thing we do know about uh, the Dolphins and their head coach, Brian Flores, is he's always been, and I know a lot of guys say this, when I say guys, I mean coaches, but he's actually proven it, all right, proved it. He really does what's best for the team, okay? Uh, Call it a quarterback controversy if you want to. I wouldn't, um, you know, the way he flip-flopped quarterbacks throughout the year, I don't think that that was the case. I think that when he felt Tua wasn't really pulling his weight, he went to his bullpen and he got the closer, uh, and, and Ryan fits magic, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But then he was right back at it. He's like, nope, Tua is our guy. I just felt we needed a change up, and so I brought in my closer. So uh, we'll see what uh, Brian Flores thinks is best for the team. But I'm just interested in to see how if, if Smith lasts because he's a tweener. The guy's a buck 75 soaking wet, can fly. But, again, it's a pass-happy league, so maybe he'll do a lot better than I anticipate. I wish the guy well, but I'm just scared. If he takes one good hit, it's, it's lights out for him. See, and with that, like, there's some concern to that, but I feel like having, like, the NFL type of nutrition, like, weightlifting, everything like that, he's sure. definitely going to gain some weight. And we've seen smaller slot receivers, like, last. Like, Wes Walker lasted a while. Yeah. The biggest concern for him was, like, helmet, like, injuries mm-hmm. or, like, concussions. But the way the NFL is now, you're, it's a lot rarer for a slot receiver to get hit the way that Wes Walker used to. Very true. Very true. Very, very true. Um, our, this is something that if you're a UN, University of Miami football fan listening right now, that you will have particular interest in. And that is uh, the tight ends rankings for Phil. So everybody wants to talk about Brevin Jordan and how versatile and how great of a tight end he is. And he is. He lived up to his five-star ranking coming out of Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas. And... Uh, Pitts, the tight end over at uh, at UF. A lot of people say, "Look, the guy's a receiver." Okay, he's out. He's flexed out wide more than not. He's not in line. His blocking is not up to par. But Phil has him ranked as a number one tight end coming out. Talk about that. Sure. And just for that, I would consider him more of a pass catcher than a tight end. Okay. Just for like the purposes of like putting him into a position, mm. he's considered a tight end for that way. Right. But. I would say, like, all around, like, blocking included, Brevin Jordan's more well-rounded than he is. However, just as a pass catcher, Pitts is a better player in that regard. But I would consider him more of a big-bodied receiver than a tight end in line. Absolutely. And listen, he proved it because over and over again, you saw him win uh, the one-on-one matchup, the 50-50 ball, high points the ball very well, very athletic, out-jumps guys. And like you said, he just looks like a big receiver, okay? Doesn't necessarily have that hulking frame that we're used to seeing in a tight end. But again, 2021, this is the NFL. A lot of things are different. The game has changed so much. Definitely can play inside and outside. Definitely going to have to uh, work on, you know, some of that blocking because, in today's NFL, again, there's a pass-happy league. Uh, when it was going to be called upon f- to protect the quarterback, that guy can use – or even run blocking. I've seen him whiffed pl- plenty of times on that. But 
Uh, definitely very talented guy and a guy that I would take on my team um, for sure. And then you have, uh, uh, you know, the offensive. Everybody want to talk about uh, Penny Sewell or Penny Sewell out of Oregon. The guy is an absolute beast. Number one tackle in the, in, in the, uh, in the draft, Phil has him at. And you have Slater with Northwestern, the Virginia Tech tackle in Derisaw, Mayfield over with Michigan, and then Alex Leatherwood over at Alabama. Why is Leatherwood not number one? Leatherwood's not number one just because Sewell's so much younger and showed more. I mean, he's only 19 coming into the draft, and that's insane for a tackle yeah. to be as like strong as he was coming out. I mean, he was playing the way he was playing at Oregon at age 18. That's Took crazy. the season off, I think, for the season, but he, you can definitely see that he has everything that you want in a top tackle. He's only going to grow, too. Technically, he's not even done growing yet. He's 18. I mean, that like longevity is what you want. Right. I mean, Leatherwood, for me, what's interesting is that he's a great tackle. I think his first year, he can put, get put at, like, right guard or left guard and be mm -hmm. absolutely incredible there, too. Mm -hmm. So his versatility, you can put him at either position. But just for pure tackle, like, Sewell is definitely the number one for me. Leatherwood is huge. And, I mean, you're right. I mean, just you look at him, he looks like a guard more than a tackle. I'm not saying he can't play tackle at the next level. We've seen insanely huge tackles, but – you need, you definitely need to be athletic, especially with these crazy, insane uh, pass rushers that are out on the edge now. I mean, you're talking about guys like Khalil Mack and so on and so forth. Right. So, uh, you know, that's a big body guy in Leatherwood. So we'll see the team that drafts him. Let me ask you, what did you have like a particular formula that went into these rankings uh, when you had, when you were pulling out the you know the the analytics? Well, the first like rounds of the ones that I'm doing right now is based on film. Right now, I've been taking an aggregate of all of the top like box drafts or top like boards. So different websites like Walter Football, like PFF, all of, like the big ones, and I have a formula that weighs them based on like the position strength. Okay. And like going forward for that, like I'm doing like a big board of the top 100 players. Wow. So for that, it's going to be aggregated with a formula that I created for doing different weights for different positions. So. For example, like as you mentioned before, like a running back isn't going to be weighed as high as a quarterback. Okay. So everything of that nature is going to go into it to create like a more aggregated big board. Okay. Okay. That's that sounds like a lot of work, Phil. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work, but for a guy that enjoys <laughs> numbers like you do, it's probably. I mean, you're probably in heaven doing. I mean, it is sports, so hey, you and I both love anything sports related, but. When it comes to numbers, I'll take a back seat and I'll, I'll refer to your expertise. So we'll, we'll, we'll put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's talk fun about because I go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut oh, you off. It's all right. It's fun too because I'm on the big board. I'm one of the only ones that have kicker and punter on it too. So. <laughs> oh wow! And and let me guess. Who, tell me who that number one or the top three kickers you got. But I, I know that your girls are winning. Uh, Jose Borregas has got to be up there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I, I did, like, the rankings a while ago for that, but I, I want to just, like, focus on Borealis because I feel like it, out of any of the kickers, he's going to be the one that's going to get drafted. I think the other, like, two won't. If okay. anyone will, it's going to be him. So that, that's, like, where I definitely want to focus. But his 50 yards or, like, longer kicks are, like, unbelievable, his accuracy. Like, it, it reminds me of the time when, in college, we saw the two Florida State kickers coming in. Yes. But I feel as though he can kick in more pressure than either of those two could. 
Yes, because they were money in college and something didn't translate at the next level, which was crazy. And we're talking about, I forget their names. It's crazy how, I, you know, they're not playing anymore and I forget their names. But, you know, the, uh, the brothers are. There you go. What's uh, the name was? Aguayo. There you go. Roberto Aguayo. Yeah. And he had another brother, you know, you know his younger brother. But absolute money, money in, in college. And then just, I don't know, the, the, the flip didn't, the switch didn't necessarily flip over at the next level, but Jose Borregales, I mean, you saw it game one from Miami over at Louisville, sets a school record with his 57-yard field goal, and when he had some room to spare on that kick, and just his reaction after it was just straight swag. He knew it was going in. Listen, whenever you have a kicker that wears war paint on his face, I want that guy on my team. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, for, if swag is definitely an indicator of, like, your special teams, University of Miami is up there with him and the yep. punter that we have. <laughs> yep, a guy that looks like he can tackle your brain off uh, in, in Headley, and he's probably going to be – had he oh, come yeah. out this year, I'm sure he would have been on your board uh, somewhere at yeah. one of the top punters. But we'll have to wait for that next season. But, Phil, man, uh, especially for it being a last-minute thing, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your information about this uh, top five uh, position board. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll do it again, man. Uh, you have a good rest of the week, all absolutely. right? You too. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Uh, that's my buddy Phil Rosumano, again, sports editor over at the University of Miami Distractions Magazine. Knows a thing or two, as you can tell, about analytics and numbers. I mean, the guy's just, he's a brain. Really, really good guy. Go ahead and follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow as well. And uh, coming up, we're going to talk some high school hoops with Marco Yero of 305sports.net. Really excited to do that. Going to be a first time joining us on the show. So stick around. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. And we are back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And as I said, Michael Euro was your segment. It'll be in the next segment talking some high school hoops. We're going to start with the guys that get paid, the guys that you see on TV every night. And I'm going to be joined by my buddy Kason Davis, man. This guy knows his stuff. Um, had a class with him over at the University of Miami a couple semesters ago. And he is a host or co-host. Is it co-host or host, Kason, on the Rundown Show? Uh, I guess co-host. All right, cool. So um, follow Kason at uh, uh, at kdavis75 underscore. Definitely, definitely some good hoops insight there. And he can also be – I'm sorry, he's also part of the Rundown Show at rundownshow underscore on Twitter. Uh, really good stuff. And also follow their website. Go to their website. Visit their website, rundownshow.com, for the material over there. Kason, man, how you been? Been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been good, though. How, how are you? Can't complain, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining the show again. Really appreciate your insight when it comes to hoops. And so let's get to it because all of a sudden we're pretty much halfway, not halfway, but maybe close to halfway throughout the season, a uh, shortened 72-game season in the NBA. And, um, you know, there's a lot to talk about, man. So one of the things I wanted to talk about um, – 
maybe the bigger news, and I'm looking at it in front of the TV, uh, on the TV right now, the Lakers were playing the, the, the Wolves last night, and they actually won their first game in Minnesota in six seasons. I had no idea that that was the case. But I want to talk about Anthony Davis's injury, man. A lot of people are talking about that it reminds, me, reminds them of the uh, Kevin Durant situation when he was out throughout the playoffs a couple years ago saying that it was a calf injury, ended up rupturing his Achilles, and so, I mean, is there cause for concern if you're a Los Angeles Lakers fan over in La La Land? Uh, what should the Lakers do in terms of handling the situation? How do you view it? What do you think is going on over there? Yeah, I think there should be a lot of concern over there in uh, Lakers Land right now. Like you said, it does remind us a lot of the KD injury. If mm-hmm. you just look at it, they call both of them calf injuries. Yeah. And then also, if you look at both of the players when the injury kind of happened, they both kind of went and grabbed their kind of – Achilles, uh, like the Achilles area. So I think it's, it's a lot similar. And I think the, the concern is really that if he does end up tearing it, that's not only the rest of this year, it's also next year yeah. too. Because yeah. he's going he's to miss about a year. So it's going to be about two years. And you think about it, Bron is getting up there in age. So obviously he's still playing at, at MVP level right now. But the, what we talked about with the Lakers is how much AD takes away from everything mm-hmm. LeBron has to do. He yeah. kind of takes a uh, yeah, he takes a lot of weight off Bron's shoulders. So with AD being out, that puts a lot of weight back on Bron's shoulders. So I think they should be really concerned for that fact, for the fact that it will be two years if he does go down. And then also, uh, Bron's getting up there in age. So I think it, it should be a lot of concern to Lake Atlanta. Do you sit him for the remainder of the regular season and maybe bring him aboard, you know, uh, when you need him in the playoffs, maybe second round, Western Conference Finals, if things get heated, do you sit him for the season? I mean, what do they? What do you do? That is the tough question because if we go back to the KD situation again, KD said he felt great. Now, obviously, that was a little different situation because right. they were in the finals and they were down and he was trying to come back. But KD said he felt great and he was going to give it a go. So it's like, and KD missed about maybe a month, yeah. a month and a half during that, that playoff. So it's like, even if he feels good, I think there's going to be a lot of concern. Like, do you still bring him back and when it's too soon? Mm-hmm. So I I would say you, it, it's really going to be like kind of by ear and kind of play how it goes. I think you try to sit him as long as you can. Yeah. So like the Lakers are still like in the second seed, I believe, right now. Yeah. If, you, if they can keep that up and not fall off, try to sit him as, as long as you can. Oh, it's possible. Oh, boy, man. I mean, that's something because you, you mentioned it. You know, Braun's getting up there in age. And we, we're talking about a guy that can – and I hate this phrase because I feel that it should be 100% all the time. But Braun can turn it on and off whenever he wants to. He's one of those guys that can do that. But, um, you know, is that going to take a toll on him? We're talking about a guy that pretty much – plays basketball all year round. I mean, you know, whether it's the finals or the Olympics, it seems like he never gets some time off. So can the Lakers repeat with a less than 100% AD? And if he's ruled out, I mean, are they still the favorite in your eyes? No, I I think it'd be pretty tough for them to kind of win it again this year. If they do, I think it'd be tough for them to get out the West because if you think about it, a lot of people were higher on the Clippers last year and obviously Mm -hmm. they didn't get to where we thought they could get to, but they're still a very good team over there, and we've seen what Kawhi can do in a playoff run. Right, right. So without AD, it takes a lot of firepower away from them. And like I said, it just puts too much pressure on Bron's back at this kind of heavy age. So I think we've seen some some other teams, the Jazz, the Suns, that are playing well. Uh, the Nuggets will still be there. I think 
their biggest threat right now would definitely be the Clippers just with the firepower that they got over there. And then if you think about it, a lot of people think that Kawhi is the best defender in the league. So if you put him on Braun and there's no AD, like yeah, you got to yeah. you got you to rely on your role players a lot. So I think it'll be tough for them to get to the finals. And even if they do get to the finals, a lot of people think Brooklyn's coming out. So if Brooklyn's over there and you see that offensive juggernaut over there, yeah. the Lakers are definitely going to need AD to keep up with the firepower that's over there at Brooklyn. So I think it'll be really tough for them. And if they do, LeBron would have to go like 2018 playoffs, <laughs> LeBron, for them to get there. I agree with that. And it's kind of a different situation in terms of, you know, the actual Achilles, because you look at Kevin Durant, you look at AD, two completely different body types. Durant is more on the thinner side of things. And, you know, the heavier they are, the harder they fall. So there's a lot more weight AD's carrying around than KD is. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. His his uh, recovery may be a little different, you know, what he's going through right now. But um, we'll see, man. Only time will tell. Speaking of the Jazz, you brought them up right on time because we wanted to talk about them. Are you buying the Jazz hype? If so, why? Why not? To me right now, they're a good regular season team, and I got to see more than just an eight-game win streak. But don't get me wrong. I like how they're playing. Quinn Snyder's doing a hell of a job, and, you know, they're playing as a team. You know, everybody wants to talk about Donovan Mitchell. I get it, fine, but there's more than just Donovan Mitchell to that team. What's up with the Jazz? How do you see them? Yeah, I'm kind of on board with you. I buy them for the regular season and kind of for all the points that you said. And also, with this shortened season, if you think about it, teams that should be the most successful this season are teams that have been together for a while. Right. And it, we, we've been in a super team era where it's like after one year, it's like, oh, no, we should blow them up. Like people were talking about blowing up the Clippers last year. But sometimes being together for a while yep. can really benefit that chemistry. They made the trade for Mike Conley last year. He started off hurt a little bit. They didn't really work out. But that extra year, you can see now, they learn how to play off each other. They've been able to watch film during the summer. So I think they're benefiting a lot for being a team that's been together now for a little while. So I think I'm really buying them in, in, the, in the regular season. And also, Gobert is a, like a defensive player of the year every yes. year. So their defense is always going to be up there. So I think in a, a shortened season like that, stuff like that really counts. So that's why they look so successful to me. I think playoff time, I don't know if I'm buying them as much. Now, obviously, I think they can make a run. Right. But <laughs> I, I've seen Bron kind of take teams out by himself. <laughs> so I still think it would be tough for them to stop Bron. I hear that, man. I hear that. I mean, it seems like nobody seems to have, uh, unless you have Kawhi on your team or uh, your Tom Thibodeau that, you know, knows how to coach against LeBron, especially we saw what Thibodeau did. Uh, not that they shut down the heat or anything, but they did give Braun a run for his money. They, they made Braun work for everything, you know, those Bulls teams. Unless you got one of those guys, Braun pretty much does what he wants. So, We'll see about that. Um, let's talk about the Eastern Conference for a little bit. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. Got my buddy Kason Davis on the line. Uh, follow him on Twitter and also his podcast at run, the Rundown Show underscore. Uh, really good material over there they got going on. So I got in the East. My pecking order is probably different from everybody's, but I got, I got Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee in that order. All right. Uh, I got Philly as a second, a close second to Brooklyn. I really like what Philly's doing under Doc Rivers over there. Joel Embiid is finally, 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 you know, putting his foot down and playing like the number one player he should be, but um, or is. But uh, do you think uh, a full Sixers squad can knock off the Nets? I I think it's possible. I think 
with the Sixers, obviously they've gotten a lot better. Daryl Murray has done a great job with putting shooters around there. And uh, Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP uh, level. But I think when you think about playoff time, I think where they'll struggle against the Nets is that Ben Simmons can't really shoot. Obviously he can do a lot of other things, but I think when a team has two weeks to kind of pick you apart Mm -hmm. and prepare for you in a playoff series, I think the Nets are going to maybe sag off for him and and force him to be uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 For them to to win for me, he would have to be able to play uncomfortable and be able to still be successful in those situations. I think Joel Embiid is going to be hard for them to stop him. He's going to be him. So I think if Ben Simmons is the X factor for them, really, if he's going to be knocking down jump shots or figure out the way to still be super effective when a a defense is geared for him in a playoff series, then I think they Mm -hmm. they have a a very good chance, especially because Brooklyn is not really playing too much defense right now. So it could go either way. I saw that tweet <laughs> talking about if Brooklyn really wants to turn things around, they're going to have to learn to turn up the defensive intensity. And, I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. It just feels like when you have, you know, three of the best one-on-one players in today's game on the team at the same time, two former MVPs, what's defense? <laughs> That's kind of what, what, what Brooklyn seems their, their mantra is, and especially when you got, you know, D'Antoni and Nash on the coaching staff. We all know how, you know, that system goes. But um, – Speaking of D'Antoni and, you know, and, 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 and Nash, the Suns, and actually, let me backtrack really quick because I wanted to bring up Ben Simmons. I love the guy's game, and we all know this is nothing breaking. He's a jump shot away from being LeBron James. In my opinion, that's how I feel, all right? Without that jump shot, he had 42 points the other night. In a loss, Joel didn't play, but the dude, if he, even if he develops just a, a, a resemblance of a 15-footer, it's over. It is over. A 20-footer, it is over. I think he's that dominant. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA, but we'll see. Uh, the Suns, going back to the West Coast, the Suns are sitting pretty 17-10, and 10, all right? Uh, fifth spot in the Western Conference, five and a half games behind the Jazz. Uh, that is the Chris Paul effect if I haven't seen one, man. That guy is, to me, the best, still the best pure point guard in the NBA Coming into the season, I didn't think he was going to make that much of a difference to them. Had them making the playoffs maybe around the 6th, 7th, 8th spot um, in, in, in the Western Conference. But, you know, they just lost last night to the aforementioned Nets. They had the NBA's second longest winning streak, six in a row, only behind the Jazz's eight. Now Portland holds that at five. But how is Phoenix doing it, man? I, I love what they got going on out West. Yeah, I think it's kind of what you said. It's that Chris Paul effect. If you've seen what he was able to do last year with the Thunder and those young guys, I think Chris Paul is just that great leader, like you said. The Suns, were they played good in the bubble. I think they were 8-0 and and almost made the playoffs. So they had some momentum going already. I think when you think about Devin Booker, he's always been that great scorer. So we always talk about the Suns. They need to get another star or another point guard around him that can take some pressure off of him that can run the offense, get him, get him into some better spots, some easier spots, and so on that, that can also score. They try to get like Ricky Rubio and players like that, but I think Chris Paul is kind of just the perfect fit around them. So they had the momentum going already after the bubble, and then they added veteran players like Chris Paul, uh, Jay Crowder. I think those guys are going a long way for those guys. So I think all that kind of blended together, I think they're just on a roll right now. I love the way that they're playing, man. And, again, it's – I mean, you're a Thunder fan, right? 
Yeah. Okay. So you know more than anything the effect that Chris Paul had on that team. And that Thunder team, nobody expected him to even sniff the amount of wins that they had last year. So you know all good and well that his importance to a team, this is a guy that puts his guys in the right spot. Uh, you can't leave him open. And still a solid, not a solid defender, but he's not going to just let you blow by him. Smart guy, and I think that's what he brings to the team. Uh, an extension of the coach on the floor. And, I mean, sign me up for Chris Paul any day of the week, man. The guy needs a championship ring sooner or later. But um, name me a guy or two that's turning heads that nobody's talking about, nobody's talking about, in your opinion. All right, I think I might have three for you. Go so ahead. I'm, uh, I'm going to start off in Portland. I think Gary Trent Jr. deserves a lot of credit. Yes. He also played well in the bubble, but C.J. McCollum has been down now for a couple of weeks, and uh, he has had to start for them, and I think he's been playing very well. I think he's shooting like 44% from the three-point range. He's averaging 15 points. So I think he's someone that people should maybe look at a little more. Also, I'm going to go to Philly, too. I think uh, Tobias Harris deserves a lot of credit now. He, he got paid that superstar money, so everyone mm-hmm. knows that he, he, he's a good player. But I think his season is kind of going under the radar, especially after last year because a lot of people kind of went at him a little bit because yeah. he maybe wasn't playing up to that money. But I think this year, if you look at his stats, I believe he's in the 50-40-90 club right now, mm-hmm. shooting like 52% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line, averaging about 20 points. Philly is up there, maybe the best record in the East, I believe. So I think he deserves a lot of credit, too, just for him bouncing back, especially when how he went out in the playoffs. Yeah. And then uh, one, more, one more person. I don't know. I know people in New York are talking about him, but I don't know, like, because <laughs> I'm from New York, so I hear a lot of New York Knicks chatter. So I hear him a lot, but I don't know if everyone's talking about him, but I got to give Julius Randle a shout-out. The Knicks are looking a lot yes. better. They're becoming respectable again. Yes. And he's having an all-star season. People believe he should get in there. I think he's averaging like 23, 10, and 5, or 11 and 5. So I think for him to be the best player on the Knicks right now, mm-hmm. and obviously they got Tibbs, and Tibbs has them playing defense. But the, from where the Knicks have came, to have them in the playoff picture right now, and the season he's having, I think he deserves a lot of credit too. I love, and I'm talking about from his days at, at, at Kentucky, all right, I love me some Julius Randle, man. I really, really was hoping that, you know, he stuck with L.A. because, I mean, why not? A big in L.A., and not that he was a center or anything, but in today's NBA, he probably can qualify as one. Uh, but the history of bigs over in L.A., and I was just kind of hoping that he would continue the trend. I love his game. Uh, coming out, I said, you know what? That's that's a more athletic, maybe a little bit more skilled Zach Randolph, and he's probably surpassed that. Um, let me ask you this, and I'm going to talk about Zion Williamson really, really quick. But I talked about this last week, and it's pro- probably in the minority, or maybe even definitely. But if Zion Williamson, right? I co- I compared him to a Julius Randle in the sense that obviously they're both lefties. Their numbers aren't that far apart from each other. But let's say this is Julius Randle's peak. All right. If if Julius Randle is Zion Williamson's ceiling, is he a, is is he considered is is that like a is he underperforming? Uh, that would be a very good question. I I'm not sure. I think we'd have to see the success of the team. Okay. Because you see, if like if it's peak, okay. So Julius Randle right now is averaging 23, 11, and four. Right. If uh, Zion's gonna give me that on a team that's like third in the Western Conference. I would, I would, I would take that. So I wouldn't really say That's it's true. a bust. So I think it depends, kind of, the team that he's on. But I guess that kind of goes for everything because you're putting up kind of useless stats on a bad team. You're not going to be looked at as much. But if he, if he can give me those numbers, especially the efficiency, 
uh-huh. on a winning team, I, I would I'll definitely take that phone. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. And um, I want to talk about one more thing. And listen, I know that we wanted to talk about you know All Star Game stuff. We're just gonna have to continue this conversation next week because that's gonna take at least 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, who's your MVP front runner to this point? Mine is someone that nobody has at number one. Mine is Steph Curry because. I mean, I think he's playing like the best point guard in the NBA, and he's, you know, he's doing it by himself. He's not going to win it because everybody knows that you know, the MVP goes to the guys that make the playoffs. The Warriors may not make the playoffs, and if they do, um, you know, there's going to be guys on teams with better records, but Steph is playing out of his mind. The Dubs are 15 and 13. Who's your guy at MVP right now? Yeah, uh, I, I, I can see your Steph point. I've seen a lot of people make the point that his numbers kind of look identical to one of his MVP seasons. So Steph, I think, is definitely getting up there. Me, right now, I would have to go with Joel Embiid. I like kind of what the Sixers have been doing. I think Embiid has kind of been playing solid. I want to say solid, but he's been playing at MVP level every night, and uh, I think Doc Rivers really has him in the post and being that dominant player that everyone knows that he can kind of be. So with Philly being the, having the number one record in the league and then uh, just how dominant he has been, I think uh, Joel Embiid is my MVP right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, Kesa, man, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. You know, it's always, good. it's always a good conversation when we talk, so I really appreciate it. It is, man. It won't be the last time. We'll set up something else for next week or whenever you're available. But um, that's Kason Davis of The Rundown Show, and we're actually just going to keep rolling here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and roll through this break as we're going to keep it hoops-related, but we're going to talk about the guys in the high school ranks. And um, got Michael Euro on the line. And if you guys don't pay attention to high school sports or 305sports.net, you absolutely should. should. They do a great job over there with uh, high school football content, high school basketball content. Uh, they talk about the Dolphins, the Heat, the Marlins, you name it, high school sports, 305sports.net. And I got Michael Euro on the line uh, with me right now to break out, I'm sorry, to break down some guys that are uh, some, playing some great high school basketball. Mike, thank you for calling to the show. How you doing? How are you, man? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Everything good with you? Yes, sir, man. Just here in class, had to take a little break to, to hop on the show. Oh, man. Thank you. You didn't have to do that, man, but I appreciate your time for that week. Oh, man, I appreciate that, man. But, Mike, man, does you do a great job over with your website, and I wanted to bring you on because you tweeted uh, two days ago about um, dedicating the next couple weeks over to South Florida basketball, and you were talking about, you know, the playoffs and stuff like that, regional playoff preview for 4A coming up. Tell me about it because, listen, a guy a, – a guy – that you're t the guy that you're talking to right now plays some high school basketball over at Miami Coral Park Senior High School. We're going to talk about somebody at Miami Coral Park, but can you tell me what stands out the most right now in terms of guys that are making a name for themselves in the high school ranks in South Florida? Yeah, so uh, as you saw in that 4A article, you know, luckily for me, I've actually had experiences uh, to play against some of those guys. I go to Immaculata LaSalle High School, so okay. we were just in the district championship this, this upcoming Friday. Sadly, our season came to an end today because of COVID, but oh man, you know that's not good. That's just, I know it's always a negative, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna have a chance to to even to go even in more in depth on okay. that four A region and and above. So okay, you know, looking at that four A region and and above, you know, you see so much youth that is growing. You know, you see the Thompson Twins at Pinecrest, you see yes. the Beauty Twins who now are who are now at West Oaks, but they were just here. Sunset has a pair of twins that are that are that are doing their thing. So. You know, there's a lot of youth in South Florida right mm -hmm, now. Mm -hmm. You know, this, this year might have not been the 
ideal year just because COVID was here. And a lot of guys like Justin Neely from Miami High had to transfer out. Yeah. But, you know, you're looking at Calvary Christian, who potentially, you know, they were just on ESPN a couple of weeks ago. Right. To potentially enter next season as a top five team on Max Preps. Max Preps. So, so you know, there's a lot to look out for in South Florida, the 2022 and 2023 class. So, you know, it's, it's exciting right now. Okay. Okay. You talked about Calvary Christian, and I'm looking at that article that you released on October. Uh, actually, no, one of the articles that you released about high school basketball on October the 18th, and you were talking about uh, forward Taylor Hendricks over at Calvary Christian. Uh, Four-star guy posting a uh, 32-point performance against, uh, you know, a pressure-loaded uh, team pressure squad. I'm sorry, uh, the team that he yeah. plays with in the offseason. Talk about Hendricks and maybe, you know, if he's talking – if you know about any of his, uh, his college choices. Yeah, so Hendricks, he has offers from everywhere. He'll end up getting offers from every Power 5 school that will be available. He's got Miami. He's got, he's got all the, the Ivy League, all of that. Um, in my eyes, Hendricks, he's six foot ten. You know, his, the, the, the part that makes his game so special is his mid-range. Mm-hmm. There's just simply nobody like him that can just grab that ball in the mid-range and just either take one step and attack or just, or just take it up on anybody. And he's great at getting second-chance points. He's aggressive. He never gives up on plays. He's, he's a great addition to, to that Calvary Christian squad. And he was just a couple of years ago playing at university school with Vernon Carey and exactly. Scotty Barnes. So, so he, he has what it takes to, you know, play on the national level. It's just this is like I, like I talked to the coach at Calvary Christian, Coach McSweeney. It's just his time to shine right now. Wow, man. A six, that's just unheard of. A 6'10 guy, and you said the magic word, mid-range game, something that is a lost art in pretty much every level of basketball, it's either you're taking a three-point shot or, you know, you're running because your team is athletic and you want to get a, a, a quick shot, you know, especially within the shot clock. Not that high school basketball has one, but um, that's just, wow, wow. That's a mid-range game. It's something beautiful because even in the NBA, that's something that most guys don't have, okay? And um, that's, that's, that's just – I love to see that. You talk about his uh, former teammate, Vernon Carey, but let's talk about Pinecrest High School. Uh, in that same article, Osar Thompson, can you talk about 6'6 guard and, um, you know, his type of game and maybe the schools that are interested in him? Yeah, so I was actually thrilled to watch this past summer to watch the Thompson Twins take on Calvary Christian's uh, AAU team. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're both great kids. They're really athletic. What makes their game their game is their, their athleticism. They'll jump from the free throw line and just yam it on anybody. <laughs> um they throughout the, the period of the season they've been able to to develop their jump shot a little bit more okay which makes which makes them just even better of a player um but overall you know their their athleticism is just just no there's no comparison in South Florida and it just makes them so good right and that's that's what makes their Pinecrest team so good too unreal unreal let's talk about the playoffs a little bit or actually no really quick i want to talk about uh Two schools over in Dade County, but I want to talk about Miami Sunset because, you know, they're a team that's supposed to be making noise in the playoffs. What makes Sunset so good, and are they a threat to really, really make a deep run? So Sunset is going to take on uh, Miami Edison this Thursday, who just lost by 20 to North Miami Beach. Uh, Sunset, you know, we've played them two times during the season, just in a regular season game and then the district championship. What makes them so good is, uh, you know, they they stay – somewhat disciplined when it comes to those fourth quarter moments in the district semifinals they were down late two by two points and one of the twins hit the three-pointer and then a dagger floater at the end of the game and same thing against us at LaSalle 
they hit a they hit a nice clutch layup in the final seconds and mm-hmm. we're able and we're able to get stops on defense. Um, Coach Martinez does a great job with them. They're a good shooting team. You know, they're they're difficult to guard in the zone. And in, when it comes to man to man, you know, they just say they stay patient and they just wait for the right shot. Um, looking at the since they're on the lower part of the region four, they have a serious shot to get to the regional final. Okay. Um, Miami Edison, you know, they're. They've been doing their thing, but I, I feel like Miami Sunset has an opportunity to advance to that. And then North Miami Beach is just a, a, a taller team, but they have a serious shot to get at them too. So, okay. So we could potentially see a Pinecrest Sunset game, but when it comes to that, uh, I just see Pinecrest coming out on top. Okay, okay, fair enough. And again, uh, we're on the line with Michael Yero of 305sports.net. Knows his thing, as you can tell about uh, high school hoops and does a really, really good job breaking down uh, prospects, teams, individual play, and um, that's what we're talking about right now on the Michael McCoy Show here on SiriusXM Channel 145 Slam Radio. A team that is not in the playoff but has particular interest to a couple people here at Slam Radio, myself and Larry Millian in particular, Miami Crow Park Senior High School, played ball for them way back then, <laughs> way back when. Um, yeah. Let's talk about their their highlight player or one of their, you know, one of the players on their team. And um, I want to bring him up because he is committed. I forget the school that he's committed to. Oh, my God. I'm Stanford? Trying to- yes. Stanford? Yes. Yeah. Let, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about him because I love, I love his game. I love the way that uh, Jakari holds him. I'm sorry. Um, yes, holds himself off the court. And I try to DM him on tour. He doesn't even have his DMs open. I like that. <laughs> he seems like he takes balls serious. Yeah, so, you know, Jakari, well, last year when we were covering him, he was our all-day first team, no doubt about it, 31 points per game, almost six assists. I watched him on numerous occasions. I saw him play against Riviera Prep where he didn't get the win, but he just showed he's a perennial scorer, man. He'll, wow. he'll pull up from anywhere, and he'll get it done. You know, he was lacking he was lacking a bit of that athleticism. Last like when he went to the prep school this year at Link, he just he seemed to grow that, and then and he's D1 Brown. So I really like what I saw in him. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He was the top scorer in, in Dade County last year. And he, he has a bright future, you know. Okay, okay. Jakari LeCount, again, uh, a name to keep in mind, at, you know, 305 guys, so we'll see about that. But at the end of the day, tell me about your prediction that you have uh, in the playoffs. Who's going to do what? Do you have any upset specials, or what is it that you're looking forward to the most in terms of the playoffs? Well, for me, it's got to be the Calvary Christians, you know, trying to get their, another state championship run. Right. But before they do such, they'll have to run into St. Andrews, who, you know, has none other than Josh Minot, who's committed to Memphis, four-star wow. forward, super athletic, amazing jump shot. He, he's one of those, those guys who, when I saw him play for the first time at a Knight Riders Elite camp, mm. he just he just stood out. It was like, it was just like the age level. He was just above everyone else. So, so it'll be tough, It'll you know, St. Andrews has five seniors on their starting lineup. Wow. While Calvary Christian, you know, they're they're more of a sweet sophomore junior guys, but th- those guys have star potential. So it so that's just a semifinal matchup in the regional. So the winner of that will ultimately go to the regional finals where I see them going. But state semis, they'll likely take on Westminster Christian, okay. who in my eyes are the number one team in Miami-Dade County. You know, loaded in depth. They have James Henderson, Frankie Idlett. Uh, Jaden Higgins, a bunch of guys. David Fernandez, who previously went to Belen. Right. Those guys are stacked in depth. They actually beat Calvary Christian earlier in the season, which was an amazing upset because at that time, Calvary Christian was ranked 22nd in the country. Mm-hmm. 
Westminster Christian came and represented Miami-Dade and took them down. So, so you know, it, it's going to be very interesting. I see Westminster Christian, you know, it's been years since they've gone in the state run. You know, sometimes they've just fell short a couple of times. But this year, you know, Coach P.J. Brown, you know, he, he, has, a, he has a loaded roster. Right. And it seems like he, he'll have an opportunity to fight for, for either St. An- against St. Andrews or Calvary Christian. It's really cool to hear about Miami bas- Miami uh, high school basketball uh, schools or teams make a name for themselves on a national level because obviously, uh, you know, we're more known for football down here, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Miami-Dade schools, Miami-Dade high schools can't hoop. So you just mentioned how they did that. And so on a national perspective, are there any other schools, whether it be Dade or Broward, that – um that kind of can they can kind of compete on a national level with schools like maybe oh I don't know Oak Hill or you even mentioned uh, what was it Pinecrest I think you mentioned uh, the the yeah. can you talk about that yeah yeah so you know we saw Calvary Christian just the other day on the Montverde Academy Invitational their first game was against Montverde who previously to that game they had only lost by twenty points to them and they played IMG and lost by six so okay. and then the, in the Montverde Invitational they lost to Montverde in the first game. The second game they took on La Lumiere, who, you know, if you've watched high school hoops for the past few years, they've been a national powerhouse. Yes. You know, they couldn't get that win, but they were down. They they came back down double digits to make it just just right there. Okay. And then the day after, took on Sunrise Christian, who had just beaten Montverde and just lost down to the wire. But those guys, you know, those guys can compete with whoever. And they're just juniors right now. Wow. They're juniors and sophomores. They'll have one senior graduate in Dylan Cannonville. Who also he's gonna go mid major. Okay. So, but other than that, you know that Calvary Christian team is loaded. They're young, and they're gonna have a serious opportunity to compete at the at a high level in top twenty five. Wow. As for Pinecrest, Pinecrest hasn't really taken on that national level those national level teams yet. But in South in the South Florida region, they've shown that they can they can take on anybody. Their only loss this season is against Westminster Academy, who is is starred by Ben Middlebrooks. Right. From Notre Dame and all of that. He's a six seven forward. Just great things. But other than that, you know, they haven't really had a lot of scares. Pinecrest has done their thing and those Thompson twins they they're just showing. Now they're now they're getting the, that national attention by Ball is Life, Slam, all of that. Mm-hmm. So they're just they're just starting to show the world that you know, this might be another Brandon Knight type of run for Pinecrest. <laughs> Brandon Knight got drafted uh by the Pistons, if I'm not mistaken, uh several years back. And um, he had a nice run in the NBA. So let me ask you this. Of all the names that you mentioned, all right, name me the guy, or maybe you have more than one, the one that you expect to have a really good or if not the best college career. And are, are any of these guys one and done in your eyes? Yeah, it's got to be, in my eyes, Taylor Hendricks. Taylor Hendricks, I just ha- you just don't see 6'10", you know, in the 190 range, maybe more than that. You know, just just be able to to dominate with that mid range. Okay. You know, when I saw him play, when he had that thirty two point performance, he did it all doing doing it doing his work in the mid range area. Wow. So he can shoot from deep as well. You know, he showed against those top twenty five teams in the Montverde Academy Invitational that he can he can be aggressive inside. You know, he does make a few mistakes when it comes to you know traveling and making turnovers, but that's just the game. Right. He's a young kid, so I, I see him doing great things. I see him going to a good high major D one school. And making noise. Along with that, I also see Jet Howard, who also who transferred to IMG Academy this year, but used to go to Gulliver Prep and then U School. You know, he does great things. He's super patient with the ball. He's a 
He's a rotational slash starting player at IMG. Okay. He's just learning the game as well. He'll likely go to Michigan, where his father, Juwan Howard, coaches at. Yep. And uh, yeah, I just see great. I just see great things from them. You know, you see guards from Calvary Christian like Marvell Allen. Uh, he's he's super patient with the ball. He's not he's not afraid to to take like a big time shot. You know, they they all got potential. Josh Minot, keep doing his thing. He's gonna be a great player as well. So. Okay. Okay. Again, it's just awesome. I, I, I think it's really cool to hear South Florida in the conversation with, uh, one, you know, whether it be nationally or just big-time basketball. And it's not the first time, you know, but we all know that South Florida is dominated by the football, uh, you know, the gridiron down here. But, Mike, man, I hope it's not the last time. I really, really appreciate your insight talking uh, high school hoops, and I hope it's not the last time we'll get to do it again sometime soon, maybe during the summer or maybe when the basketball season kicks off, kicks off again uh, in the fall. Definitely, man. Thank you for having me. And, no. Uh, yeah, no, thanks man. for having me, man. No, thank you again. And uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you stepping out of class. I didn't know that you had to do that, but uh, it means a lot oh, to me, man. It's all good, man. You know, 17 years old, I got to take the best of my opportunities to hop on it on your show, man, and, and just show the world that I got, that I have knowledge on anything. You you absolutely do, and I appreciate that. And again, because of that, it won't be the last time on the show, Mike. For sure, Mike. You Thank you, man. No, Stay no. Safe. Thank you. You do the same. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Michael Euro Again, 305sports.net uh, started that website from the ground up. You got Dolphins Insight, Heat Insight, Marlins, Hurricanes, high school sports, you name it. It's their really, really good content. Go ahead, give him a follow on Twitter. Hit up that, that website. Really, really good insight, especially if you're into uh, high school sports. So we're going to step aside really quick and be back for the last segment of the show. You've been listening to the Mike McCoy Show on Sirius XM, Channel 145, Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM, 145, Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Third week in a row that we're live here on the Michael McCoy Show, Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio in studio. And so we just got through, finished talking with Michael Euro of 305sports.net. And before that, Kason Davis of... Uh, the Rundown Show, follow those two on Twitter, really good Hoops Insight. And so just going to chop it up with the last segment of the show here, kind of still be on the sports front, but then just a couple of th things that I'm burning on, and I have a list here because I just wanted to vent a little bit. So I'm at the gym, right? I'm at the gym, and some people, they just don't get it when it comes to gym etiquette, okay? And it's really annoying to me. Let me give you an example. So I'm on the... Um, I'm on the flat bench, right? I got some dumbbells in front of me. And look, there's mirrors all over the place at a gym, okay? You're, it's like a mirror house, right? You want to look at yourself when you're working out, see what muscles you want to work on, whatever, so on and so forth. Why is it? And I compare this to parking next to someone when there's a crap load of parking spaces in the parking lot. Why do you want to park next to me? This guy stands in front of me, right? With uh, You, you can stand Literally, six inches to your left or your right. No, you want to stand in front of the bench that I'm using to pop a pimple? <laughs> Frank, I wanted to shoot him, so I literally had to wait, okay? I had to wait for him to finish. And the fact, he didn't even know I was there. Like, I don't know what's worse, if he was being a jerk, all right, and standing in front of me and saying, look, you got to wait, or that you didn't even know that I was there. I don't know which one's worse. 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I think the fact that he was popping a pimple on top of everything else, because it's something else that he always kind of flex his arms and maybe check certain muscle. Dude. Oh man, I'm looking good right now. But to pop a pimple, guy, come on, man, do that in your own personal time. It's just, it was ridiculous. I don't even think that's gym etiquette. I just think that's public <laughs> etiquette. <laughs> I hated it, and you know, the, I'm, I'm gonna make a shirt. I swear to God, I'm gonna make a shirt that says because people just act like they own the gym. You know, it's not. This is everybody's gym. Help keep it tidy, especially with COVID. Put things back where they were. Don't put the 50s next to the 15s. Or either you're an idiot and don't know how to count, or you're just un puerco and you don't care. Well, I hate that. I think that has to do with the blame of like living in Miami. Uh, um, uh, and the reason why I say that it's because, like, so I walk my dog through my neighborhood all the time, uh -huh. right? And there's signs all over the place that say, this is not a dog-friendly zone. <laughs> if your dog poops, pick up the poop. But what does everybody do? They just leave it there. Why? Because if that person's not going to pick it up, why am I going to pick it up? And it goes <laughs> on and on and on. So I've been living there for five years, six years now. The first three years, I picked up the poop. Guess what happens now? I don't pick up the poop. Because if that don't pick up the poop, why am I going to pick up the poop? So I think it has to do the same thing. Like, if that guy's not going to put it, if I found these 50s here, I'm going to put these 50s wherever I want. Because they're obviously not in the same place already as it is. I'm that guy. And by the way, Frank, just tell me how you really feel, man. It's okay. Let it out. Okay. It's, this is therapeutic. This is good. But I'm that guy in the gym. I swear to God, if they check their cameras, because I'm in the gym really, really. And when I say really late, I mean like 2, 3 in the morning when there's like nobody there. It's a 24-hour gym. Oh, so you're one of those guys that goes to the gym to actually work out. Yeah, not stay on the oh, phone gotcha, gotcha. and pop pimples. Well, yes. you, know the, you know the gym here in uh, South Florida is more of a, it's more of a social hangout. It's not about going to the gym to go work out. It's about going to the gym and go have conversations, see what you're going to do on the weekend. One of those deals. They don't serve drinks there. It's not a happy hour. You're wasting your money. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I used to have a buddy of mine that he was big time into the gym. He used to go at certain times when there was nobody there to actually work out, go home, shower, then go back because that's when the social hour began. And he would not oh. pick up another way. He'd just walk around, talk to all the ladies, trying to pick, uh, uh, talk to his friends, try to just pick up conversation wherever he possibly could. It was a social environment for him. You know what? I, I can, I can kind of respect that because, you know, he's getting pumped first, all right? Then he's going back to, you know, to use pickup lines and stuff while just being buff, fresh off of a workout. I can kind of respect that. But nobody wants to get hit on at the gym, especially ladies. True. Like, I'm kind That's of true. upset that our friends left here, like, like as short as they did, because she goes to the gym and she has an issue with people kind of giving her the eye when they're not supposed to give the eye. <laughs> Guys are savages, but ladies don't want to be hit on when they're at you the know. gym. So you kind of have to find a, a more subtle place to kind of take on that attack, right? I agree. You know, you're right. And you could kind of tell when a girl's into it at the gym. They have their headphones on. They just don't want to be bothered. They have the straight look like, don't bother me. I actually did, I didn't hit on a girl at the gym. This was several years ago. She was leaving the gym, and I was I had to make sure that she was leaving the gym, and I had to follow her out. I actually followed her to the car. Creep. Didn't end up working out the way I wanted it to. It's <laughs> a creep move, though. <laughs> but, uh, but at least you had some sort of a strategy saying, all right, I'm going to wait till I get out of here. Because, you know, the, the girls are in their yoga pants or whatever, and <laughs> some guys say they wear it because they know what they're doing. But at the same time, you're picking up, you're picking up a, like, a, like a very vulnerable position. Yes, yes, yes. So that, that's, that's my spiel on gym etiquette. You know, guys, please have it. Ladies, please have it. Whoever, you know what, just, just have it. Try to fake it till you make it. I don't know. Um, today, you know what today is? Two Pump things. Day. Two days. Well, yes, that too. Okay. Um, today's National Cabbage Day. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what that is all about. But it's also National Random Acts of Kindness Day. Guys, Ladies, everybody that has a car, when you're merging, please 
show a random act of kindness and don't be that guy or girl that just says, no, me voy a meter aquí. Let the people, let, let's merge properly for today at least. Can we do that? Can we today? start with a blinker though? Oh God. But that means that you, if I, if I see your blinker, that means I'm not letting you in. That's what that, that's what that means here in Miami. In Miami terms. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. If you turn on the blinker, you're not supposed to let the person in. That's, it's like yellow means speed up. I, I, I have to admit I'm in that, I'm in that <laughs> boat. I see yellow. I speed up because I want to make the light. That, that is me. But um, yeah, man, today is National Cabbage Day, National Random Acts of Kindness Day. Today is also Michael Jordan's birthday. Oh, man, I forgot about that. You're right, it is. It is Michael Jordan's birthday, and I don't care who you are. Okay? Man, it's crazy. Sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead, I, go ahead. I kept telling myself for the, all morning, I'm like, man, I keep on forgetting it's Summer's birthday day. I can't remember whose it is. And it's the GOAT's birthday, bro. Look the at that. Goat. Thank you, because that was that's where I was going to next. Listen, I know we're in the LeBron age and, you know, this and that, and there's a lot of people that literally never saw Mike play. There was a studio that I'm in right now was just full of high school students, and I bet if I was to ask them, maybe a third of them would say, oh, it's Mike, but this is the undisputed greatest basketball player of all time, and I don't care who you are. If you disagree with me, you can disagree with me, but you're wrong, Mike, Frank. Mike, surprised, man. Um, you probably get one-third of them saying LeBron and two-thirds saying Jordan. Really? As, as, as crazy as that sounds, that's one of those ex social experiments, social experiments that we tried heading in, coming here to Slam, um, and as we started asking the questions, they know they know who the actual goat really? is. Really? Yeah, and it, and it has nothing to do with sour grapes of how he left Miami. Um, they know, like they know who's who. And then now the fact that that last dance came out last summer, um, they were able to kind of get more of a confirmation, saying, "All right, yeah, this guy was the truth." Wow. Well, I'm I'm thoroughly surprised because I really would have thought like, you know what? I can't blame them because this is literally what they saw. But it's that's very encouraging to know that I guess either they're doing their homework or they have their dad saying, look, you need to pay attention to the history of the sport. I had no idea, Frank. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like you see them walking around. Some of them have phone cases and things like that. And they're it's for the most part, it's Jordan. And, you know, you'll get to the conversation with them saying, yeah, LeBron's a great player. But then when you start doing the comparisons, it's uh, most of them go the Jordan route. Okay. Believe it or not. Okay. Sticking kind of on that front, okay, Jordan's shoes versus LeBron's shoes. I was asked on a podcast, you know, which one. And I said, you know what, for fashion, Jordan. But I will absolutely play in a pair of LeBron's. They're, they're phenomenal to play in. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that was even a conversation, to be honest with you, because, <laughs> like, when you talk shoes now, nobody's necessarily talking about shoes for performance-wise. Everybody's going the fashion route. True. Um, and, and, like, LeBron, that you, he has two names, but nobody has to call him his second name because everybody knows what you're talking about. When yes. you say LeBron, everybody knows what you're talking about. You will say Jays. Yes. Very true. You don't have true. to say anything else. My Jays. Everybody knows you're talking about your Jordan shoes. You don't have to say anything else other than that. You don't. That's a very good point. That's why I'm Jeez. surprised that that's even a conversation. I don't know many people that have LeBron shoes, and if they do have LeBron shoes, yeah, they're probably being used out what shoes are meant to be used for. Right. Well, I have one pair of LeBrons. I've never played in them, but I did play in a pair of LeBrons because it was a last-minute thing, and the guy's like, yeah, go ahead and use Long story. But they're phenomenal shoes. The, the pair that I have are the 10s. They're my favorite pair. It's the ones that look like the color of like a tennis ball. I love those. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they're super comfortable. But um, They look a little bulky to me. That's why I don't it, think the fashion necessarily like hit. And I think he was, I think he's put in a position. They can't, they can't necessarily remarket the entire shoe because that's already his thing. True. Um, so I just was never a fan. Like you put both of them next to each other. Jordan's shoes just have such a nice, sleek, very aerodynamic looking touch. And LeBron's shoe kind of looks like it's panel on top of panel stitched into each other. <laughs> the crazy thing is you said the word sleek, and that was the exact word that was in my head. 
Get out of my head, Frank. That's that, thank you, thank you. We're on the same page. Here. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Jordan, you could wear, you could literally wear Jordans with a suit and tie. Uh, I wore a pair of Jordans on my wedding day. There you go. We not not during the church. I did the traditional shoes with the tuxedo shoes. Uh-huh. Blah blah blah. But my wife told me she's like, you're you're, you're gonna you're gonna be very uncomfortable if you try to do the entire reception with those shoes. <laughs> How about we try to do something out of the ordinary? So when we first came out, I had leather. Uh, Chuck Taylors. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. So those were popping because everybody's like, oh my God, what are you doing wearing Chucks? And then everybody <laughs> realized they were leather. And then I took out the J's. Nice. Well, shout out to Wifey for saying, hey, go ahead and, you know, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. And shout out to you for saying, I'm going to pop out the J's. And the Chucks. Shout out to Chuck. Um, pineapple belongs on pizza. Yes or no? No. Frank. No, no, no. Frank. Pineapple belongs in a drink on a Hawaii island oh. or something. With a cocktail. Have you tried Hawaiian pizza? Yeah, man. I have. I've, I've had it a few times, so I'll eat it if it's there. Okay. I'm not going to be like, ew, what are you doing? I'll eat it. <laughs> I'll scarf down, man. I'm hungry. It is what it is. But I'm not going to go out of my way to say, hey, guys, let's order a Hawaiian pizza. That's me, man. Wow. That's me. You asked me. It? Yeah, man. Look, I, look, I'm a Ninja Turtle at heart. I love pizza. I'll eat any type of pizza. But the Hawaiian part that I'll switch up, I, I, I'll take the ham off and I'll put it with chicken. Okay. Chicken. And you want to know who has a really, really good one? Papa John's. They make uh, this, this, this barbecue. Ch- it's, it's, it's pineapple, it's chicken, and then the barbecue sauce. Oh, my God. Divino. Sounds I love good. it. That sounds good. It's good, dude. What Ninja Turtle are you? Michelangelo. Wow. My favorite oh, curl is orange, man. All right. Well, I got Ralph tattered on my legs. Really? Yes, sir. Ah, man. I got to check. Did you like the, do you like the movies that are out? The Ninja Turtle movies? So it, they grew on me. Um, I thought it was a little out there. But then again, whenever they remake things, I'd rather them kind of put a little extra spin to it. Okay. Um, I was bothered about the second movie more so than the first movie because the Bebop and Rocksteady story didn't fit the way it did in the comic books. In the comic books, yeah. In the cartoons. Because the, remember the comics, the cartoons were made from the comic books. Right. And then the movies, the original movies were made from the cartoons. Right. And it all played out. Right. I don't know if you're, uh, if you're aware of this, but in the comic books, they all had red bandanas on. Oh, I didn't know The that. colors were later brought on to give each of them a personality for the American market. I didn't know that. Right. So they were all red. They all had the same exact thing. They all had different weapons, but they all had red uh, face masks or whatever, uh, eye mask, whatever you want to call it. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's it. The more you know, right? Yeah. But that was all Americanized uh, for the whole cartoon and all that. But back to the Bebop and Rocksteady, they got two goons. And then, remember, they were <laughs> yes. they were crossed with the animal. It had nothing yes. to do with we're going to put the, the, the ooze in you. Right. And then you can go ahead and transform that way. That's not the way right. it works. Right. No, no, no. I remember it was always about taking the personality of the other animal. And yes. even and even in Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, when they did Token Razor, uh-huh. remember they grabbed animals and they crossed them with the exactly. ooze. Exactly. That is prob I like the new the the new Ninja Turtle movies. I actually like them a lot. But if I had to pick an all-time fave, that second one with the super shredder, Hands I love down. that one. Hands down. Love that one. Um there's another thing I wanted to Oh, so I had a uh her name is Kylie Wang. I'm trying to get her on the show. She's really, really busy. Uh, personality over with Five Reasons Sports. So she's still, a, I think she graduates this semester with the university, from the University of Miami. Did you know there's a COVID breathalyzer test that gives you like instant results? She no. tweeted that yesterday. And she was like, yeah, they're having students do it like twice a week. That's, I never even like, I was like, wow. I tweeted like, wow, a COVID breathalyzer test. How about that? I rather, I mean, I'm down to do that. I'm taking dual COVID test weekly as it is now because of my announcing for FIU. Um, so I'm required to do that at least 48 hours before I, I show up at the school. Okay. But um, I have to go to out of my way to a location, 
do the whole swab in the mouth, wow. drop it off, and then I got to wait 24 to 48 hours until my test results come in. Mm. And I've been very careful, and I know that I don't have anything with COVID result, um pending. Right. However, like, you give me any sort of a wait 10 minutes and wait for your results, there's a lot of things that go through your yes. head. So imagine an entire <laughs> day, bro. Of course, man. I, I That's 100% true. Um so, Frank, you're, you and Larry, you guys are aware that I got my diploma from the University of Miami last semester. Finally, I get an email yesterday, right, because it takes some time for the actual diploma to get in. Okay, fine, cool. Number one, we weren't able to walk in our ceremony. Like, there was, it was all virtual, okay, and we found this out two weeks before graduation. Like, oh, by the way, you're not going to have a ceremony. When, when the whole entire semester we thought that we were going to have one at the stadium because they didn't want to have it on campus for obvious, you know, obvious reasons, have it at the stadium for – more open space, right? Bro. Sucks. Dude, yesterday I get an email saying, okay, here's your diploma. And by the way, you can have an e-diploma right now if you want to. Did you know they have the nerve to charge you $5 for that? Why? Thank you. You're using your own paper. You're using your own ink. You're using your own data. Why do they have to charge you? What kind of processing fee is that? I could not believe my... I, I bought it because I wanted it, and it's convenient. You know, you have a PDF, whatever, an employer wants to see it. Okay, fine. But you're gonna, first of all, you didn't let me walk, okay? Second of all, you're going to charge me for it. It's like UM charges you for the air that you breathe on campus, I feel like. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That sounds, uh, that sounds about right. Because I feel that way sometimes when I'm over there in Canada. Yeah, man. And then last but not least, I have never owned one, but I still feel I could speak on it because I know a lot of people that have Android better than Apple iPhone. Yes or no? Oh, I don't think so. Dude, do you want to know the technology that's on Apple iPhones now was on Androids so long ago? Yeah, um, it's just I think they've given you, I mean, if you want, we'll save this for next week so you can go ahead and write it down. Android does give you more accessibility to do whatever you want on your phone. Okay. Apple dumbs it down a bit. Uh, um, but I do think the Apple processor is faster because Apple doesn't let your phone go into the whole virus warp hole when Androids do. That's true. My Androids, they last two, three years tops. Exactly. It sucks. And but if you start getting into downloading music and downloading files, it's oof. not going to last longer than eight months. Oof. And that's something that I don't do. So it probably, yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. I might be sold. I, that might be my next phone. I don't know. But um, ladies and gentlemen, man, we're pretty much out of time. Thanks, Frank, for chiming in on that last segment. I, we should probably make this a weekly thing. I'm down, bro. That was a lot of fun. Okay. All right. We'll do it then. But um, thank you, ladies. Very, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Tongue twister here. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Michael McCoy Show. We'll be here same time, same place next week. Hope everybody had a great week. Hope you have a great rest of the week. And just keep it locked. Uh, you're listening to Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Have a great week, everyone. The views and opinions expressed on the Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.